0: hello everybody and welcome to the 122nd episode of mtg fast finance the podcast is headed to the luxury suite next week mtg fast finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of magic the Gathering, finance collection management and speculation
1: a quick message from our sponsor face-to-face games FaceTofaceGames.com provides competitive pricing on magic singles and sealed product with shipping to both the US and Canada. Check out face-to-face card pricing via mtgprice.com, whether building your deck or stockpiling a spec.
0: I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host tonight is Travis Allen, aka at Wizard Bumpin, and we're here to help you guys make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering.
1: Hey James, how are you doing this afternoon? Very well,
0: very well, sir. Good,
1: good. Uh, Glad to be here this week. All sorts of interesting stuff to talk about. Um, Our show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today, mtgprice.com, to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. What is on the agenda this week? Uh, This week, we have a show in three parts. Segment one is our top movers. We're going to look at the cars that have seen the most increase in price over the last week. Segment two is our cards to watch. James and I will run through a couple cards that we think are going to rise in price in the future. And segment three, uh, our topic of the week, what do you do when you've got a massive buy list credit and uh, you're not sure how to spend it? So we'll look at what some of the options are for for our buddy James here. Uh, Hopefully give you guys some insight into the process that we go through when we're trying to make those decisions. So let's kick off the week here. Uh, strip mine from antiquities non foils of course 150 to 300 uh pretty strong double up there assuming that price sticks and you can sell copies for that number and uh, i would not be surprised if you could um strip mine has for years and years always kind of bounce you know one or two copies get listed and they get bought up again so uh i if it's not 300 i bet it's 250.
0: Yeah, I would imagine that like eBay auctions on on this and other versions, because there are multiple versions in Antiquities. Um, But the whole deal here is that this is Blackboarder. um, So it's the old school players and speculators that have been targeting the older cards that are driving this. And it's getting to the point where old school decks are a fairly hefty investment. Um, Not that they weren't before, but they're in much the same boat as the legacy players in terms of facing very steep entry points.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, then praetor's Council premiered and besieged foils nine and change up to eight nineteen dollars or so. Uh, I am pretty confident one of us has talked about this card this year. Um, in any case, uh, praetor's Councils in about just about under ten thousand EDH decks. It's the one that gives you an infinite hand size and draws your entire graveyard to your hand. I think it's a miserable card to play with, and I would recommend you don't to do it. But having said that, people still really enjoy the card. Still only printed in foil, mirrored, and besieged. And uh, $20 is likely to be a pretty good landing point for that foil. Uh, and I can see that sneaking up to 30 but it will probably take another several months to a year.
0: It's not the kind of card I think they're going to prioritize reprinting. So um, even though it took a long time for the foils to get there, I mean, mirrored and besieged was nigh on a decade ago. Um, and I don't think it's had a foil reprinting since. God nor do I expect to mom. see one anytime soon. Yeah, <laughs> So, yeah, I can, this could get up to 30 um, by the time anybody ever thinks to reprint. Okay, cool. What do you got next for us? Amata uh non-foils going from $9 to 20 We already saw the foils move last week or the week before. This is on the back of Slimefoot decks wanting all the Sapperlings Matters cards they can get their hands on.
1: Okay, yeah. And then Slimefoot's been around uh, quite a bit the last couple of weeks here.
0: Mm-hmm. Slimefoot, Joda, and uh, Maldratha all driving card prices.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, we've also got Circle of Protection Red from 7th edition, foils going from 3 to 7. We've seen the circles from 7th and 8th edition be targeted over and over and over again, and every time they, they drop, somebody snaps up copies again. It's hard for me to understand whether this is coming from collectors or some weird speculator that got in on this and just won't let the ball out of its mouth. Um not the kind of card I would be looking to prioritize because I have trouble interpreting the demand pattern.
1: Yeah. I don't really, I mean, I guess they're just old, you know, old foil circles, which is fine. I just don't know why you would try this hard. It feels like someone's really
0: trying hard to make that a thing. I don't know. I either that, either that, or it's just, there is a trickle of, demand and a trickle of supply that comes in on buy lists here and there and it's just in flux kind of constantly since they i don't think they're ever going to reprint the circle of protection series again it's not the kind of thing they want in standard at all and Core course is the only place i could ever see it getting printed yeah i mean yeah i i can't imagine they ever print these into standard again for sure that seems
1: they're just a terrible game mechanic um, yeah, I
0: mean, if you if you want to push white from mediocre to like format warping, go ahead and give it protection from every color.
1: Yeah, they're you know I don't know anyone who hasn't played with them before. They're really awkward uh, because of the way they they work out. Like you just put four black ones in your sideboard or uh, four of the pro red ones in your sideboard, and then you just can never lose to anyone playing a red deck ever again and you also might toss in one or two of whatever the other color is it punches a lot you know If everyone's playing green or something like that in the format
0: mm-hmm. all right so we've also got rook eggs and aladdin's lamp from Arabian nights uh the eggs moving from three dollars to seven dollars <throat> in theory the rook eggs moving from four to about nine um sorry uh the rook eggs moving from four to about nine the lamp moving from 16 to 40 um, both Arabian Nights cards, um, Arabian Nights, Antiquities, um, Legends cards all have been under consistent pressure for over a year. So no big surprise.
1: Nope, not at all. What's next on the list? Uh, so after that, we have Saproline Symbiosis from Invasion uh, going from 10 to about 25, also on the back of Slimefoot, just like uh, Mata. No matter. Yeah. So um, I don't know how many we've got. Do we have any more? It looks like we got another card cut a little later in the show, too, for that, for a Slimefoot. Um, a little surprised to see these still popping around just because they, uh, I mean, I shouldn't say that, right? Like, we usually see these commanders trickle in like this for weeks and weeks afterwards. Um, but it is does seem like Slimefoot is, if not popular, at least being targeted pretty hard.
0: Yeah, I mean, EDH rec supports that Slimefoot, Maldratha, and Joda, um are the top commanders at a Dominaria. So, you know, so watching foils pop off that haven't been reprinted in ages, and then the non-foils following accordingly makes pretty pretty solid sense. Yeah
1: yeah and then after uh serpentine symbiosis you've got custody custody square from conspiracy foils 350 to almost 10 i thought did we not talk about this one already too I, this one sounds familiar to me um a couple of weeks ago but uh this is definitely a popper card uh it's my stupid puppy's chewing my <laughs> chewing my pant leg while we're trying to talk here uh yeah this is a five on a three three that returns stuff to your hand when you put it in the play overall it's a little underwhelming uh but in popper, the effect is rare um so like that's it, got to be what it is right like popper players
0: yeah, yeah. it's it, it shows up in a bunch of different white popper okay. decks selenia dark angel uh from tempest going from three dollars to nine dollars is selenia reserve list card yeah ah huh. well that explains that uh, moving right along phyrexian rager from apocalypse foils going from a dollar to three dollars i'm assuming that's on uh, a little bit of upper pressure from maldratha uh players looking to um basically put a portable uh necropotence uh into their graveyard and then cast it every turn no
1: uh, that seems reasonable yeah uh yeah this is the one we saw it was just an ima it's been an ema started out in apocalypse yeah i remember this from Meerdin besieged. i yeah i don't know what else it would be this seems like a reasonable place to find it
0: the apocalypse foils of course are the ones with the lovely black bubbles on the borders they're the definitely the superior uh copy of, that's out of the available pool yeah those are real cool so rampant growth is, of course, one of the most important green spells in EDH. In like twenty thousand plus EDH decks, so seventh edition foils going from six to twenty. Actually, surprises me mm-hmm. that they were that low. Um, I seen six. If I had known that they were five or six dollars, I probably would have bought some myself. That sounds like it. That that six dollars
1: is. Uh, I don't know. I wonder if that was accurate. I guess. Well,
0: how? I, I think by accurate, you mean how many copies were actually available before the only remaining copy was, six, was 16 plus?
1: Yeah, it might have been like one with like $5 shipping type of thing. Sure.
0: Hmm. Uh, <clears throat> that's, a, that's actually a good point you you raised that we've never raised before, which is that posted prices on TCG need to be taken with a grain of salt on the basis that shipping is not always uh, – is not uh, baked into these numbers. So sometimes lowest or highest posted price um, may be deceptive, depending on what their shipping practices are. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and sometimes you'll see like, you know, you'll, you'll decide that you're going to buy out a couple cards and you'll get rid of, you know, and there'll be one left that looks like it's cheap. Right. But then it's not actually not worth buying because the shipping is so much. It's like above what you had in mind to pay for it type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Rampant growth. Yeah, the foil seventh edition. I uh, I have a stack of the players rewards for Rampant Growth that I picked up for I don't know like a yeah. dollar fifty or something. Hoping hoping we talk about that one of these weeks. That would be nice. Uh, you
0: don't need to wait. I just buy listed some of those, and the buy list option was excellent, if I recall correctly. Hmm. All right. I'm gonna go look at uh, What you tell us of your next card? Uh, yeah. So, Mysics of the Is Magnus. Is Magnus? That sounds about right. Mysics of the Is Magnus. From Commander 2015, um, moving from $2 to $8, I bought some of these into that spike. Um, It's a single-printing EDH card. Those have been very reliable in terms of showing up on buy lists and being a thing, Um, so long as you're seeing relatively significant play in Commander. And this one fits into all sorts of Is It and just Jeskai decks for that format. And I don't think you're going to see it reprinted anytime soon. Um, So... Uh, I think this probably settles in somewhere between 10 and 15 and makes people some money on a buy list order. That sounds reasonable. It's a good, uh, good place to see that. Um, after that monoclash
1: from ninth edition foils, a dollar and change to six. This is because of the coin flip cards we just saw from what was that battle bond that brought in the coin flip, right? So that's why all, a bunch of coin flip cards have, uh, have been moving lately. Exactly. Yeah. Following that is Vetaclin Aether Mage from Mirrodin. Foil six fifty Art Arch, arch, arch Archmage. Archmage, Archmage, Fart Mage, whatever. Uh that one. Foil six fifty to thirty something. This is uh for Joyra, I believe, the new Joyra commander, because Veniclon oh. Archmage, Archmage, Archmage is whenever you play an artifact spell, draw a card, which is essentially just Joyra. Uh, which is when we play a historic spell you draw a card right and then artifacts are historic spells you know that really intuitive uh, <laughs> so
0: then you're so then you're drawing two cards a turn um, this also makes a lot of sense because it's uh, it doesn't have any other printings yeah, this right is the only one. it's a single yeah. printing card
1: which is a little yeah. odd I figured this would have shown up somewhere probably not in foil but I thought you would have found it by now
0: I would have put money that this was in some prior commander yeah. deck
1: um, oh, it's not. After that, spontaneous generation, Mercadian masks, foils, two and change up to 15. This is the another Slimefoot card. So quite a few this week. Um, not much more to say there. Uh, I would be selling all of my slime foot foils if I could. I'll tell you that, guys, that much. Uh, you know, some of them might hold off, might hold values better than others. But the uh, there's a lot of demand for them right now. Um, so if you can get these inflated prices, I would definitely take it.
0: Yeah. So next one is uh, Squeeze Revenge from Apocalypse. This is another coin flip matters cards going from a dollar to five dollars in foil on the back of Zender Split and Okun. Uh Eye of Chaos, the coin flip commanders from Battlebond. Um, we also have Tragic Poet from Urza's Legacy foils going from a dollar to four fifty. Not sure what that's all about. Is that a is that a I believe
1: card? so. Um, well, this is the new, it was just reprinted in Dominaria as well. So, at, uh, at common, not that I can tell with a set symbol. So I'm guessing that <laughs> people are picking the old, was this the old foils? Yeah. The old foils to play in standard is likely what that is. What is that to get rid of like white enchantments or something? sacrifice it to return an enchantment from your graveyard to your hand.
0: What what enchantments are people returning from their graveyard in standard? Absolutely no idea. Yeah, I'm going to write that. I I have no idea. where I don't think tragic poet's being played in any standard decks, as far as I can tell. Nor is it being played in any popper decks. So well, I didn't say it was being. played. Yeah, maybe they're going after original. I didn't say it's
1: being played in good standard decks. But if you wanted to play this, like, if you wanted to play this card in standard. You would you might want to go buy the dollar foils from Urza's legacy <laughs> rather than the new ones.
0: From our platform of relatively consistent logic, it's hard to stretch our minds around the strange things that magic players often do that are out of our, our Well, sight I say line.
1: this as somebody who personally has bought old foil borders of some truly terrible cards. Because they were made legal and standard and like I wanted to play with them and I'm like, yeah, I could pay a nickel for the, you know, the standard non-foil one or I could pay a dollar for cool old foils.
0: Yeah, I mean, the box of shame, spec box of shame, there are plenty of cards that no one else would understand (laughs) but me.
1: Well, fair enough. Mine's not a spec box Uh. of shame. It's a like binder of like play sets for standard and modern and it's not of shame. Uh, There's no shame in it, but it has definitely got some curious inclusions.
0: Fair, uh, impulsive maneuvers from Odyssey is also a coin flip matters card. Uh, going from two dollars to thirteen dollars, I don't actually think the coin flip commanders are make that much interesting of a deck for EDH, and all the coin flipping is going to annoy the shit out of your regular play group. So, anything related to this, that's definitely selling to hype. Yeah, uh,
1: you're going to requ- it's going to require a specific set of players to really enjoy that mechanic uh and they're generally going to be a very casual group so just keep that in mind before you you go through all that it's definitely not a it's something where the novelty can wear off i believe
0: yeah Definitely. Um, so then we got Firestorm from Weatherlight non foils because there were no foils in Weatherlight. Um, moving from twenty to one hundred and seventy-five. That's a bunch of nonsense. There's no way that you are ever going to get a hundred dollars plus for a Firestorm.
1: Uh, no, I would not think so. Uh, I mean, they're they're probably
0: cheaper than they need to be because the card is uh, reserveless, but not that underpriced. The most generous buy lists in the world, including their trade and credit, are still under 15 on this. So, treat this with a strong dose of salt. <laughs> uh, and finishing off the week as Royal Assassin revised copies.
1: Supposedly, a dollar and change, $2 to $45. I am highly suspect, highly suspicious of that claim. Um <clears throat> probably just somebody bought the last couple near mint copies and someone else listed it at $45 to be funny. In any case, I do not expect this to stay uh, anywhere near $45. It'll probably be like six bucks, right? Like it'll pick up a little bit, but not that much.
0: Buy lists are under five. And if you look at what happened with Sedge Troll, which was a similar targeting recently, it has retraced hard. I think I just buy listed those for under $10. And in theory, it had spiked to 30 or 40. Yeah. So... Um, and I was happy to get it out on that under 10. I'm sure I can it, repurchase it faster than it will accelerate again. Yeah, I'm sure.
1: Uh, and just because I looked up and I'm thinking about it, those rampant growths were uh, trade store credit at ABU was four dollars, which is more than I paid. So I don't know. maybe I'm gonna I might hold out and try and ride that one a little further. Be greedy. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. No huge rush. All right, so let's move on to our uh, picks of the week here. Uh, would you want to get us uh, started?
0: Sure. So I think my first pick of the week is a pretty obvious one for green EDH players. Lifecrafters Bestiary out of Ether Revolt foils to go from $5 to 15 This is the card that lets every time you play a, a green creature, I believe, um, you get to scry one. And if you pay uh, a green mana... When you cast... No, at the beginning of your upkeep, you scry one. So you get the you scry every turn no matter what. And whenever you cast a creature spell, you may pay a green, and if you do, draw a card. So goes in any green creature deck. The scrying sets up the card drawing. Um, and market inventory on the foils <clears throat> is already relatively low with a pretty strong looking ramp. So I think this is probably something like a it's not going to be a long hold. There's only like 10 or less copies listed under $15 on TCG. So I think you go ahead and mop these up and you might be able to get out in less than three months. Yeah, those are
1: uh pretty low supply at this point. Then um, yeah. I remember when that came out, it was not that long ago. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And that card is definitely going to continue to be popular. If you're ever playing a green based commander deck, you're going to play creatures and you're going to want to draw cards and you might want to scry too. So pretty, uh, pretty easy include for a lot of strategies.
0: I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm actually looking, mm-hmm. looking overseas now to see what the uh, foreign foils look like on MKM. Okay. Well, let us know. Go cool. go ahead with your pick.
1: Uh, I am going to start off the week with uh, Vampiric Tutor. Judge promos specifically are. Uh, let's see. I think they're about $90 right now for the judge promo. so vampire tutors got a couple of printings um it's got an ema copy that just came what was uh the most recent those are floating around $45 right now there was also uh the sixth edition copies and then the judge gift promo so ema copies are like 45 for non-foils and 80 to 90 for foils um and the judge gift promos are also right around $90 80 to $90 right now but there's virtually no supply on those at the moment. So if you can snag these at $80 to $90, maybe even a little over $90, under $100, I'm sure you'll be able to ship them for $150 to $200 uh, sometime this year. This card is in 26,000 DDH decks. Uh, you're never getting those Judge Foils back like that again. Uh, it's got the old uh, cool art with uh, the guy whispering to him over his shoulder type of thing. So I, uh, I think this is probably... Pretty uh, a, a pretty easy. You're not you're not going to sell a high volume of these, but uh, I would be surprised if you don't make profit on these. Paying eighty bucks for them.
0: Yeah, I mean trade in credit. Trade in with credit is already backing you close to seventy. So one of these like really low risk scenarios with significant upside. this is a slam dunk. Well,
1: cool. uh, yeah, I might pick up one or two myself. I don't have any yet, but I might grab some. I haven't decided yet. I got to see what I can find, but
0: i might so if you'd asked me 18 months ago that how how many revised dual lands were likely to end up on my pick lists in 2018 i would have said zero (laughs) and yet here i am dragging one out into the spotlight week after week lately um tundra is interesting right now because copies are still closing in individual ebay auctions in the like 215 to 240 250 range especially if you wait into the late night hours where people post them at the to finish at the wrong time. Um, Side note, don't make sure your auctions finish inside prime time so that people, everybody gets a chance to bid on them before bed. Because if you wait till the night owls, um, that's just guys like me that are snapping up deals, which is not when you you want your auction to end. Um, But it's interesting because retail has been pushed up from 200 in the last three months to almost 400 or above, depending on which vendor you're talking about. Um, And that gap has to close. And it's not going to close uh, downhill. It's going to close uphill. So uh, what's happening here is duels. There's a lot of hype around duels. Um, Prices exploding. People keep talking about the word bubble, which means they don't understand what a bubble is. Because you have to have a downward force that pops the bubble for there to be a bubble. And there is no downward force <laughs> in play on these cards unless they choose to reprint them, which certainly isn't happening in 2018. So. Tundra is going to edge up over 300 and the negotiation point between retailers and players is going to happen in that range in the near to mid future. Um, so I think picking up Tundra is anywhere near 225, for instance, is likely to allow you to exit within 12 to 18 months over 400. Mm
1: -hmm. This is, uh, I mean, I didn't realize Tundra was quite that cheap. I know, you know, we've been talking, uh, the, the talk has been on the lips of the players about, uh, Underground Sea pushing $800, $700, $800, $700, I think. 800 one of those so that Tundra, if Tundra is really, you know, available at 250 that's a lot cheaper than I would have expected it to be, all things considered. Uh, so if you're actually able to get near-mint copies of this at 225
0: then that seems like a slam dunk because it's not Underground Sea, but it's always been real close. Yeah, and I don't think we included it on our list this week, but Volcanic Island actually has made... Uh, a significant push this week as well um mm-hmm. it's sitting pretty close to 700 now i think
1: yeah i mean i believe it though it's it's always tricky to track those well like it's uh you tend to get more of a gut feeling on dual land prices more than like a oh well you know this many copies sold at these prices type of thing um but yeah i mean if if, if volcanic island and underground Sierra are moving like that then tundra should not be far behind at all
0: yeah, Tundra and Bayou, I think I expect to get dragged up.
1: It's funny, so, I remember when Bayou is garbage. <laughs> yep. A while ago.
0: as, as um, long right. as as long as DRS is in the is is in legacy, it's got a home. But more more to the point, the we talked about this last week about how in from an EDH demand perspective, which is going to in, be an increasingly large chunk of the demand for duels. The um the difference between an underground sea and a plateau is relatively small. I mean, you want both in your brea deck. So, is one one is not nine times more rare than the other? No, it just has more demand from Legacy and Vintage. So, that some equalization between those two. Like, there may be some upper ceiling on the duels but for all of them to get up close to it over some period of time is much more likely than for the ones at the bottom to stay at the same ratio that they are currently you know like a plateau might be a 5 to 1 with an underground sea right now i think that ratio gap is going to close over time
1: oh yeah yeah especially as it, as you, you know you start to see more and more of the demand being pulled from edh instead of legacy where there's a much more uh, balance between the colors as opposed to Legacy, where it's so heavily weighted towards blue. Yeah. Yeah, I-225 Tundra is sure. I would snap those off, I think.
0: All right. What's your next
1: pick? Uh, I'm going to go. So, you know, I told you guys about Vampiric Tutors at nearly $100. I'll go to the other end. Edric Spymaster Conspiracy Foils are like 5 bucks. Supply is also real low on this. He's very popular in EDH as well. He used to be. Uh, when he was only in commander's arsenal, it was like a $30 card, Um, something like seven or 8,000 decks. Uh, The only other foil is a commander's arsenal foil, but those foils are kind of wonky. They're not very popular. The conspiracy foils are much nicer. Conspiracy is also quite a few years old now. We're not talking about conspiracy two. We're talking about the first one. Um, So, you know, I think you can pick these up in five and six five and six bucks, and then ride them up to North of 10, maybe 15 ish uh, probably before the end of the year.
0: You know, if you'd asked me, I would have said this card was banned in EDH, but I'm confusing it with Leovold, the other officious looking um, elf administrator uh, that is banned in EDH. The um, So yeah, I mean, the fact that he draws you a card every time one of your creatures hits means that any deck that, that is put, pushing creatures through and happens to be playing blue and green can find a reason to play this. Yeah, and he's also an interesting
1: political card because he draws cards uh, for your opponents too. The way it works, um, so it, it's easier to play him, I guess.
0: Right, right, right. Because the trigger is it deals com- if whenever any creature deals combat damage to one of your opponents, a controller may draw a card. So you can sick people, basically direct people's aggression towards the person that you want to. To be targeted so that the other people can get the cards they want.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, if I have to choose between attacking Travis or this other guy, I'll attack the other guy because then I get to draw a card where I don't if I attack Travis because he's got
0: uh, Edric in play. Yeah, fair. What do you wrap it up with this week? How, how deep is the supply on the
1: Edric foils? Uh, like 10. Yeah, copy sounds pretty
0: good. Pretty, pretty similar to Lifecrafters' Bestiary that way, then?
1: Yeah. What about the uh, Commander's Arsenal copies? Uh, deeper, for sure. But again, I don't think people really like those. They're that weird, like, uh, FTV printing, essentially. So they're a lot less pleasurable. And I mean, you know, you can look at the stock between... You could be like, well, there's a lot of... uh lot of commander arsenal copies so the conspiracy foils shouldn't really be able to move that much but it's like well there would have been a pretty good supply of conspiracy foils and there aren't any more. and those commanders arsenal ones are just sitting there so there's enough demand they've already emptied the one set compared to the other
0: now these look pretty good the very short ramp what was your what was your exit target on these
1: uh like 15
0: yeah that seems reasonable 15 to 20 seems very likely yeah hmm, cool Good pick. So my last pick of the week is Imperial Recruiter. Uh, I think it's more of a long term hold because I'm talking about the foils from M25. I originally thought that you could pick these up somewhere in the $80 to $90 range and probably expect them to eventually be over $150. But I held off waiting to see how it settled. And it turns out you can get them as low as $60 right now. The ramp is pretty steep. There aren't that many copies available at $60. But there's certainly a handful. Um, Under $70, there's a little more. And then I would be targeting these to go up over 90 again. I mean, this is a mythic from a set that no one liked, That is that no one's going to be encouraged to buy additional boxes of, which means a lot of that product is going to rot on the shelves, which means less product actually hit the market. It's kind of like the opposite problem as Dominaria and Bottle Band, Battle Bond, right? Like if a set's really popular, there's actually going to be, take, it's, going to, it's going to take longer for you to make money on it. Whereas Conspiracy and Conspiracy 2, which were basically left sitting around for long periods of time and were overproduced, Um, have had several cards, especially in foil pop, because there just weren't that many foils actually in the market, especially not that many that circulated back to the vendors. So Imperial Recruiter is probably underplayed in EDH, mostly because of its prior price. There are Judge foils that probably bracket your glass ceiling that this would have trouble surpassing in and around one twenty-five to one thirty. But that leaves plenty of room for growth between one sixty and say sixty and one twenty. So I think getting in close to sixty and expecting to get off the ride between ninety and one hundred is a pretty safe bet.
1: Uh yeah. I mean, sixty is is a little tougher. I think. Isn't cheap, 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 but you know, this card's got such a a history with the game, um, and it's a very powerful effect. You're probably not going to see it improved upon, and I don't know why you'd see much more of it. Uh, yeah, I I do think that, you know, being able to, so I would, if you had asked, I probably would have told you it was close to 100 uh, as it was. So, uh, yeah, I can see this getting to $90 pretty easily.
0: The nice thing here is it also has some like fringe legacy demand, right? Especially if they banned Deathrite Shaman and kind of shook that format up heading into the the team's Pro Tour this summer. There's a pretty good chance that decks, those kind of decks would get a fresh shot at glory. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, it's one of those cards. It's, it's easy to have no idea what the price is and then it's suddenly $30, $40 more and nobody really thinks much of it. Cause sure. Why wouldn't it have been?
0: Well, and there's no way we see this reprinted now for another three to five years. It's going to get the, the, the normal reprint schedule that everything's getting these days. And, yeah. and because it's a mythic and it's the only time it was ever foil outside of the judge foil printing, you know, is this a three to six month flip? Maybe not, but is it a 12 to 18? Yeah. Almost, almost certainly this.
1: Yeah. And I, I almost think it might be faster than 12 to 18, maybe not
0: by like a tremendous amount, but it doesn't seem unreasonable that you could pull that off. I think we're both in agreement that any situation where you, you feel confident in the longer range, but there might be upside faster. That's, that's the juicy stuff. Yes.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to segment four, our topic of the week. Um, Can you, why don't you give us an idea of what we're looking at here?
0: So one of the things that I think starts to come up as you build out your spec portfolio um, and or you you have a very large collection and both of these things, you could be on either side of that or both. Um, if you're the kind of player that listens to this and you're mostly, you know, an armchair casual when it comes to the finance side, then your perspective on this might be that you're you have way more cards than you actually use. And you probably, in that scenario, unless you really take great pleasure in collecting every single magic card, um, if you're like the average magic player and you just have boxes and boxes of stuff lying around that you should get around to organizing, you owe it to yourself. Especially if there are targets that you feel like you can't justify acquiring for cash out of your bank account, like they exceed your your available disposable income, but you happen to have all this capital tied up in your magic collection, which might be five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars or something. Um, you owe it to yourself to mine some of that by shipping it to the best available buy list. Generally in North America these days, that means either Card Kingdom or Abu Games, um, who have very generous credit, uh, trading credit bonuses. And at the end of that process, you might find yourself with, you know, a pretty significant uh, trade in credit that you can use to purchase cards from the, the vendor in question. Now, that could be a few hundred dollars, or in the case of the buy list that I sent in this week um, to Abu, it could be a $4,000 credit. And so what I've been trying to figure out since I sent it in a couple days ago, um, because they have a cool system at Abu where you can actually reserve cards on the basis that you have a buy list forthcoming. Oh, I did so not know that. Yeah, it's super cool. So you can, you can actually, before you even submitted the buy list, you can... Reserve a card and say you're going to pay with buy list credit, and then they will hold it for some short period of time, like a week or two, while they wait for your buy list to order to, to show up and get processed. And that is very nice because if there's something specific you want and you don't want it to, se- it's like unique or rare, and you don't want it to sell while your buy list is in transit, this is a really great way to set up the deal for both parties. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in my case, there's not anything particular I need for decks. What I'm looking for is to roll it over into specs. But and if I was rolling just into regular specs and this would be like a pretty easy question, I would just select a bunch of stuff that comes from our picks of the week or whatever. But in my case, what I'm encountering yeah. is that you'd pick stuff from our secret picks of the week. That's only
1: accessible via the Patreon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, I mean, we, we shouldn't laugh too hard. We might do that one day. Who knows? <laughs> um, never say never. So the, In my case, the reason I'm buy listing is often because we're talking about a situation where um, I might have 20, 30, 40 copies of something. And especially if it's an EDH card, and I can sell it one by one at $10 a pop or something, and that's going to take a year or two to run out of that inventory. Like say I sell a copy once it's a popular card, but it's not like in ultra high demand. I might end up selling one or two copies a month kind of thing. And that goes on for a long period of time. Buy listing is so much more attractive, especially in the case of Card Kingdom or Abu, where with the trading credit, they're going to get pretty close to retail for you anyway. And you can unload all the copies at once or a big chunk of them, right? So like, for instance, I unloaded 15 copies of Minds Dilation out of my available 40 to Abu as part of this order. Um, That's exactly the kind of exit you want when you go pretty deep on a spec, um, especially if that spec doesn't sell in play sets. The other half of my reasoning for using you know, sending in big buy list orders is that I'm trying to consolidate. My collection is now worth north of 100K. It's in the realm, it's getting past the point of being manageable if I don't take big chunks of cards and turn them into single cards and then withdraw some of my funds from the rolling process of, of uh, accumulation, appreciation, and either buy listing or retail selling. So what I've been trying to do is take something like 20% of my profit off the table every few months and turn it into a high value reserve list target that I think has legs moving forward. So it might be lower overall returns than in my general portfolio, but much uh, more easy for me to manage. And I've managed to consolidate something like $25,000 in just 10 or 15 cards, um, which is a pretty good place to be when you get into that particular position. So the question of the day, then, and I, had, I pinged you on Twitter earlier this week with some some options and asked you to take a look because it was last I night. wasn't it was last night, <laughs> yeah earlier <laughs> in the week, <laughs> um you know it, it I'm not sure what to do is, is the bottom line. Um, there are there's been a lot of movement on reserve list targets lately, and um, with a four thousand dollar credit. The collector in me is incented to just grab a piece of beta power. Like I can still get a time walk or a mox or something for that price. Probably SP. Um, But the investor in me is saying that price theory dictates I should get lower value cards that are more liquid. So, for instance, it's the difference between getting one $4,000 card versus four $1,000 cards. And my reasoning, generally speaking, is that the $1,000 card has a much better chance of going to $2,000 than the $4,000 card has of going to $8,000. And $4,000 cards that become $2,000 cards doubles your money, makes you $4,000. A $4,000 card that appreciates to $5,000 <laughs> does not get you there. Does that make sense? Yeah. move you so far. All right, so on that basis, can you think of anything in the on the reserve list that might be between a thousand and two thousand, say, that you think has legs to go? Uh, well, I mean, without looking that's
1: a little tricky. Uh, hmm, I think <clears throat> my 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 first instinct would be to tell you to go with unlimited moxes, uh, but those are pr- the ship is probably mostly sailed on those uh if you're talking about under a thousand dollars on the reserve list uh, uh well tundras
0: or maybe the foreign black border duels depending on where those are yeah they, they've been draining pretty hard they were definitely on my radar and at the prices from even two weeks ago i would have jumped all over them you could still get like foreign black border tundras and um volcanics and stuff in the say Four hundred to nine hundred dollar range, depending on which duel you were talking about. A lot of that inventory has has been draining out of the market, mm. um, and at this point, like unlimited sapphires, uh, are largely out of stock. Um, like Abu has no unlimited sapphires in stock currently. You can get a played uh, beta, like SP, for three thousand five hundred. What they're, what they're calling SP, but to my eye, is more like a generous MP. Oh,
1: hmm. The, the other direction. A little surprising.
0: Well, what I'm saying is they're calling it SP, but I think it's more like Yeah, a I know.
1: MP. That's, I'm saying that's surprising. Generally, you know, the shop's grade harsher than the average guy on the street would. Uh,
0: I, I think that they, they know that they can get away with this now on the power stuff and people will do their own grading anyway. And they, they use it to prop up price. That's fairly aggressive. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: 3,500 for a beta Sapphire does sound really good as someone who like, I haven't tracked, you know, power prices too closely. So it's hard for me to say, Uh, especially not beta ones. But I mean, I would expect like, for instance, a near mint beta alpha, a near mint beta Sapphire to be close to 10 grand. Right. You know, eight, seven or eight,
0: perhaps Uh, they have a near mint mint that they want alpha that they want ninety one hundred on beta. Their last posted price was fifty five.
1: Yeah. And I bet yeah last posted. But if the alpha is ninety one, I bet the beta is, uh, you know, eighty five or eight thousand. So I would, guess the, f- I, I,
0: would, I would guess the next near mint they post will be like seventy nine ninety nine or something.
1: Yeah. So in other words, thirty five for one that's in you know a various played condition is probably a pretty good deal because you're getting for probably half the price basically.
0: Yeah. So I mean, some examples of some stuff I was looking at, I was thinking of um, that have also been under pressure lately would be like Bazaar of Baghdad. Their look, their posted price now is two is nineteen hundred. <laughs> so it's a weird position, right? Because just last year that would have been a thousand dollars. It's doubled. Do you believe it can go even higher?
1: Hmm.
0: Like, do you think things like bazaar and library and workshop are at their natural conclusions? Well.
1: I think it depends for me. That's kind of a case by case basis. I actually don't like, uh, bizarre all that much because it's, it's a weird card that nobody's going to play anywhere other than vintage dread. Like it's just not good anywhere else. Uh, so it's sort of like, why like why, like, like I guess, <clears throat> whereas like library of Alexandria, people might, <clears> oh <throat> <point. clears throat> boy, I cannot get rid of this chest congestion. Uh, People might still play library occasionally, like you'll, they might put it other places. Is that legal in Commander? I was just looking that <laughs> up. <clears throat> no, it's not. Um, <clears throat> oh, pardon me. Library and cards of that nature seem like they're a little more flexible in who's going to make use of them, as opposed to Bizarre Baghdad specifically, which is essentially unplayable outside of Dredge. So I don't like, and you can look at like 93, 94. Now, maybe a library is banned there, too. I don't know. But it just to give you kind of a, a rough idea, like if, if library is not banned there, you would play that, but you're probably not playing Bizarre Baghdad in that format. So that's kind of where I would lean on that type of thing. Um, with those types of cards being more, you know, if it's playable, even if you're not sure where it would be played, it's more interesting than if it's not playable at all, which I would put
0: Bizarre kind of in that realm. Fair enough. Workshop, they've got posted at out of stock at 2,400 and HP copy posted at 1560. Um, it's tricky because like if I had submitted this particular buy list three months ago, I would have had a lot of juicy targets. Like for instance, even just a month ago when I, I sent in my last buy list, I picked up two libraries at 1100, a nether void at 650, I think, and two Sylvan libraries at 110 a piece legends copies all of which appreciated essentially overnight. Like they were already on the tipping point cusp and that trade-in was just amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it's going to be tough this time because I don't think that you can get into... A lot of that stuff has already moved. And the question becomes, you know, people were saying, well, you know, beta power has got to go. But the market, there's this curve, right? (laughs) That you have to imagine in your mind that as prices rise... A larger and larger number of players fall out of the market for that card because they just can't justify, you know, it's hard enough to justify a $3,000 card, a $5,000, a $7,000 card being justified to your significant other. It has to be a household with so much disposable income that nobody blinks an eye when somebody spends money like that, you know, where you know, you're know you already driving an expensive car, you live in a nice house, you, you're both making, you know... Your household income's probably got to be at least over a hundred thousand combined. Probably closer to two. Um, to or or you're just crazy and mismanaging your finances. Um, Which, so, given that we're talking about magic, extremely likely. It, <laughs> sure. Uh, I mean, it's tough. I mean, I I like an SP. They do have an SP Sapphire that looks like pretty pretty nice, um, and they want thirty five hundred for it seems reasonable i'm just not sure what the upside is like if if everybody's income all magic players was over three hundred thousand or something that i would say oh slam dunk this can hit 10 grand in three years because there's no real there's no downward pressure and there's no upper upper bound but when you throw price theory into the mix then it's a different story Mm -hmm. uh i mean i guess it's a question of like
1: if the potential market for let's say library of alexandria is you know, X number x number of players when the card costs $1,000 and it drops off dramatically when you double the card to $2,000, it's still a question of supply versus demand, right? Like if the supply is so low that even cutting off that many interested parties is still more than there is... Still more demand than there is supply of the card, then like maybe, you know, maybe it's still worth it. Like you lose a lot of potential so what, buyers, but that's okay because you had a ton to begin with, and you still have more than the price of the card is.
0: Sure, the um, I did send you a link to a beta buy you that they want twenty four hundred on, and my logic on I've been acquiring beta, beta duels has been the the thing I have buy listed into most often in the last year um, when I had a buy list that big because my logic is that. It's not just about Legacy and Vintage, which is going to be a shrinking percentage of the overall user base. It's EDH, right? These are the best duels you can put in your EDH deck. And even though only, say, 5% or less of EDH players will aspire to include them, those people still exist. And there's also old-school demand um, contributing to that as well. And they have moved less than other cards. Like, I was trading into near mint beta duels in that 2000 to 2500 range 6 months ago and i can still do it today
1: hmm beta buy you for
0: 2500
1: you said 24 near mint mint 24. where is where's okay so i like abu's overall new website but this particular layout for looking like the card price is tiny on the, this, this is a little weird. Like the card price and the number that they have in stock might be the smallest text on the page.
0: And there's a bunch of buttons that link to the other versions that are like are the most pro- prominent on the page.
1: Yeah, it's like I like everything about the website, the new website, except for the part where it talks about the card. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Twenty four hundred for a beta bayou. Oh, that feels
0: real steep. But if it's near mint. That's pretty good. So, alternatively. An SP time walk unlimited for twenty one twenty four.
1: Sounds like it's probably better. Time walk is definitely more widely applicable, roughly. Right, because like I- you can play revised Bayous, but there is no revised time walk.
0: Ah, I see what you're saying. So what you're talking, what you're tapping into, is the concept of targeting the cheapest possible option.
1: Well. I'm not tapping into it. In, in, in this very specific context of Bayou versus Time it's something to think about, I think.
0: Well, but I think it's a broadly – it is, in fact, a broadly applicable principle, right? The, the revised duels can move because there really is no better option. There are CE and ICE editions, but even those, because they're, they are black-bordered and playable in casual EDH, um, are already on the move. I mean, they only printed, what, 10,000 and 15,000 sets, respectively, of that. So, 25,000 total for the collector, the gold-bordered, square-cornered sets. Um, So, I mean, their inventory is so low that they're going to move, you know, with the market anyway. Um, And I think what you're saying makes sense, that, you know, this is the the cheapest, good-looking version of Time Walk you can ever get, whereas you know, a beta Bayou is still roughly 10 times more than a revised. Mm-hmm. So what percentage of our of players are willing to pay a 90% premium? Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's, even if it's a 50% premium, like I would, I would expect that, you know, as I said, I think Bayou and Tundra are going to get up into the five or $600 range themselves, but even still it's, you know, five or six times more expensive to have a beta copy.
1: Yeah. So it's like, that might be the right number for the beta copy. I guess it's just harder for me to put up my finger on where, because it's like you have to factor in this additional level of like people that, it, it, you know, you have the people who just want it, the card to play with it, but we're going beyond that. So it's like a different layer of demand that you're trying to figure out for the beta card, whereas the time walk, it's like, okay, I know we're working with here. People are that are buying this one want to play with the time walk. <clears throat> <clears throat> So there's only essentially one vector of demand, I guess, if that makes sense,
0: or one level of demand. So how do you feel about signed cards? <clears throat> would, you sh- would you inherently shy away from that at this level?
1: I hate them. I hate signed cards. I don't want anything to do with them. I mean, aside from the fact that they are much more difficult to move than they would be otherwise, because... Uh, your market for those is much narrower. Um, they also seem like they could kind of come in and out of vogue, right? Like maybe some, for some reason people decide they don't like them all of a sudden. And now they're a huge liability. Make selling them a pain in the ass because like technically they're, you know, whatever damaged or whatever is, so you can never buy list it. Eh, I, I would stay away.
0: I mean, I think you if you're buy listing a signed vintage card, like a reserve list card, you're going to you can easily sell that. And I don't think that they'll penalize you for it, although they may use it as a point of negotiation. Yeah. Like they, they may tell, try to tell you that it's going to be harder for them to unload and therefore they they want to give you less for it, which is actually can be a reasonable argument. Um, certainly there are many people like you that feel that way about signatures. To me, it's about quali- like quality of aesthetic of the signature. <laughs> How nice does the signature look? Where was it placed? How big is it? What ink did they use? Um, what's the overall condition of the card? I, I send you a link to what they have an unlimited signed time walk that they want an extra thousand for versus the SP copy they want thirty one twenty four. Um, the photos they've applied that they've provided uh, the card's in really good shape. Would you would you if it if you knew that market on that was three thousand and they wanted three thousand would you just say no it's signed yes. I don't, I don't, I, don't yes, trust it as much. I, I
1: am basically never going to take a signed card unless it is like way below essentially by, you know, market value. Uh, or I already know that there's somebody who will buy the card and I don't have to do any work. Like, I'm like, Oh, I can just walk it over to that guy and he'll give me money. I, 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 mean, I could be leaving and I accept that I could be leaving money on the table with that. It's just not something that I want to deal with. It seems too easy to get to burn yourself mm-hmm. essentially. And there's because there's no shortage of opportunities. Like there's no there's no shortage of other cards that you can pick up uh, that are good that are good options for this type of thing. Uh, Again, I think I because my last thought is I accept that there are other people who are in different positions who might know how to might know where to sell these, might know who likes them, that type of thing. In which case, more power to you. You can take the money. I'm not.
0: Yeah, I think in large part, it's about who you know, right? Like when we're talking about somebody like Ed or Monty, these are guys who are so well connected that they will know who who they can take or like Brian, um, um, these are guys who know where they can take a thing to get it sold. Um, the, you know, when I found those misprints in the, the old collection that my cousin handed me last summer. And nobody really had ever seen them before. And nobody where they're like part of the inking, the black ink from other cards was printed over top of them. Um, you know, that could be worth nothing to somebody. And then Brian tells me, well, I know this guy in the Philippines that'll so give you a thousand for each of them. <laughs> yeah. And and if you're that like so that
1: exists, right? Like people who know what they can, you know, how to find that guy who will pay for this type of card type of thing. Uh, they're not listening to the show or at least they're not listening to the show because they need to know what to do with these cards, you know?
0: Yeah. And I feel similarly about things like test prints and summer magic stuff that many players have never even heard of is, is not while it, it may be ultra rare and may have an appreciation curve. You really want to be an expert in those particular cards and have the connections in place before you commit to using them as specs. Yeah. Yeah. Summer magic.
1: I would say like you could, you could make more of an argument for because at least that feels a little more renowned than like misprints. Uh, but that's still a stretch.
0: Okay. So $4,000 credit of the available options and based on our discussion, what would you get? Um,
1: So let's see. You've got, if I'm choosing from the options you've presented me here, you've got the unlimited uh, mox jet for 31. You have this uh, near mint Ada Bayou. God, these, this website, I cannot parse this page for 24. The SP time walk for 21. A near mint time walk for 31. Foreign German foreign black border underground sea. Well, that's just out of stock. That's out of stock. You sent me a couple of these that were out of stock. But the last two were out of stock. Um, yeah without having looked extensively at the price history on these, I'm inclined to go with the time walk, the 2100 SP one. Uh, and the $3,100 mox jet is also probably what I would look at. Those are what I'm inclined to go with. But I mean, like for a purchase of this, like I would have to spend like probably half an hour doing real research. Like look at price graphs. What is the inventory across the internet? I'd be pinging, other people who buy and sell uh, cards of this nature on a weekly basis, kind of getting a feel for them and where they think stuff is and how available it is on the shelf. So, uh, you know, I can give you a gut instinct, but I'm definitely not the person to give you a final say on which one's the right one.
0: Yeah, I think that and I think it's a, a valid point to convey to the listeners, which is that you don't need to be certain all the time. Sometimes you don't, you know, at the end of this conversation, you know, we, we've we've dialogued it. But I think we both would would admit that we need more research. And if you need if you need to take some more time with something, then take your time. I mean, the, one or two of these cards may disappear in the interim while I figure it out, but there will be a target left.
1: Yeah, and, and I will highlight here is that this is definitely like niche type stuff. And if you are not knowledgeable about that niche, don't feel bad about trying to find people that are. James and I have done 120... 120- two episodes of this like we've both been involved in magic finance for a long time have done a lot but we are both very well aware of our limitations on the borders of our knowledge on certain topics and like if you think you know everything you will burn yourself hard so you know especially when you get to yeah. niche magic cards find the people who know the stuff
0: yeah the, the other angle here is that this is about, you know, we're talking about expensive cards because I'm trying to consolidate. I want to manage less cards total. But if you were just trying to roll over in your specs, then, you know, the, you have a much wider open palette with which to paint your future. You know, you can, um, there's all sorts of cards we've talked about in recent weeks that are picks that are sitting on these websites waiting for you to buy list into. So one of the ways you can avoid spending a bunch of cash on your specs is to use your existing cards to fuel some of your, your you know your speculation activity so that you don't have to worry about cash flows. Yeah. What's uh what's a Lara thing you should take? Alara, what do you what do you think I should buy? Nothing. <laughs> a college tuition. <laughs> she, she only cares about one object in the universe that's cheese. So that's probably um, what she wants me to buy. Cheese. She loves cheese. Huh. It's like one of, one of her first words. How old is she? She's a year and a half. Okay. So you can hear her. Come here. Tell, tell Travis what you want me to buy. Do you like cheese? Cheese? Of course, oh, now she's, she's uncooperative. No, she's not cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we'll wrap it up. All right. Where can our listeners find you, James? You guys can find me on Twitter at mdg critic, as well as via my weekly articles on mdgprice.com. I've also uh, managed to launch the first iteration of magiccards.shop, which is stocked full of all sorts of EDH, modern, popper, legacy, Japanese foil goodies all over the place. And we're going to be looking to get some of Travis's inventory in there as well shortly. So again, take a look at magiccards.shop.
1: Yeah, and keep an eye out for either a uh, mint Beta Bayou or a <laughs> SP Time Walk.
0: <laughs> well, this um, that this, this, I mean, finishing point on that topic, all of that stuff as a whole, as far as I'm concerned, I haven't put any, almost like nothing but like garbage reserve list cards have I buy listed or sold recently. And all of that has paid off, like holding on to things like Candelabra of Tano's and various Dual Lands and Bazaar and Workshop. Not selling into the hype has been very generous.
1: Oh, yeah. Candelabra. I think I have like a pair of those. Ooh,
0: yes. Dude, a lot more money than the world. Three, I that's throw. three grand, brother. That's some new tires. <laughs> uh, that's a new tire. <laughs> no, um, for, for your for your pricey mobile? No, they're not that bad. Uh, I'm Travis
1: Allen. I'm on t- Twitter, Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. Uh, I also, I do every – right every Monday, the Watchtower.com, and, and you will also find me on the webcast, the Cartel Aristocrats.
0: I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year. Getting baby attacked here. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering.
1: All right. Well, that brings us to the episode of 122. Uh, James, it was a pleasure and I will
0: see you next week. Oh, well, actually, I don't know what's going on next week because you and Cliff are going to be in. Vegas. Uh, yeah that's true so cliff daigle and i will both be in gp vegas next weekend if you guys want to say hi i will uh tweet out uh, locations and stuff along the way so people can try to check in with us i think we're going to be playing two-headed giant on the friday afternoon on the floor um at minimum we probably will also try to organize a dinner on the saturday night for anybody who wants to sit down and have a chat um and yeah we'll probably record from there as well at some point so Uh, We'll see you guys all next week um, on another episode of MTG Fast Finance live from GP Vegas.